0: Welcome to the Altruism Unplugged Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Walsh. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Altruism Unplugged Podcast. Today we're featuring Laura Kent and Sabrina Kelly, who created the nonprofit Jiu Jitsu event sub-out so domestic violence. And one of my goals when I first started this podcast was to have an event associated with jujitsu. And I'm proud that the first one benefits an organization called Dap Delco, which supports women in the community that I was raised in. So thank you both for coming on the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for
2: having us.
0: You got it. And Sabrina, what was the purpose of creating Sub so out Domestic Violence?
2: You know, Laura and I um, would see each other a lot. Her and um, John Thorblank Blank would come down to the vault and train pretty regularly. And we kept talking about, you know, sort of doing something that would be unique that really, um, you know, no no one else was, was doing in the area. And uh, we came up with the idea for um, – Sub out. It had lots of different iterations of the name. (laughs) We 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 spent a good while trying to figure out what we were going to call it. But I I think at the the core, um, you know, jujitsu for women uh, is something that isn't certainly highlighted the way that we think it should be. Right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's gaining a lot of momentum and a lot of popularity and there's definitely a lot more women's events, but at, at the root of it, we wanted to do something that not only highlighted women's jujitsu, but also benefited women in the community, um, who needed it. So we came up with the idea to have a tournament where, um, you know, it was completely, uh, Donation based and contribution based and sponsored, and then we wanted an organization that we would be able to, you know, donate those funds to um, that did something for the community. And so it just kind of felt like a natural fit. It's it's crazy too because right after we posted about starting it, so many women reached out to both Laura and I. To talk about their own personal experience with domestic violence and why it was so personal to them and why they wanted to be a part of the event. Um, And I think that's kind of why it took off so quickly uh, last year because it was so personal and so many women really begin their jujitsu journey, unfortunately, because they've been victims of domestic violence.
0: Right. And actually, you guys actually gave me a platform and I was able to share with you guys some of my personal experience. I've had some people in my family that have dealt with some similar issues with domestic violence. So, You know, just like them, I'm sure, or just like me, I'm sure they appreciated the ability to at least just have a platform, even just to talk someone about their own personal experiences.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, another one of the reasons why we picked DAP is because it's a local organization and Sabrina really wanted to, you know, keep it within her specific community. And I mean, as far as featuring the women goes, um you know, not only were we doing this in order to feature the women that were competitors, but obviously we wanted to kind of highlight the cause and everything and bring more attention to that.
0: Right, of course. And like to be able to donate the money or see where the money's going and have it, you know, that it's affecting people that are directly living in a community definitely means a little bit more and push you a little bit harder to make it a successful event. And to uh, talk a little bit more about Delco, you know, learn more about it, you know, from you guys sending me some information on it. It was created in 1976 as part of a movement to provide safety, advocacy, and support services to victims of domestic abuse that weren't necessarily available in Delaware County before then. And today they do remain the only provider of services exclusive to victims of domestic violence in Delaware County. And, um... So with the out domestic violence, you know, how you guys shared your roles, what was each of your roles and, you know, how'd you guys divide that up?
2: Laura? <laughs> <All right. laughs> um,
1: well, I, honestly, Sabrina, I consider the mastermind, even though she wouldn't put herself into that position. Um, but she was the one who really initially came up with the idea of like starting an event, having it be to benefit women and feature women and all of those kind of things. And she mostly brought me in because um at my jujitsu school, 10th Planet Bethlehem, like we run the finishers sub-only jujitsu events. So I kind of have a lot of experience being around a crew of people that, you know, are used to running competitions and running pro events with the live stream, that kind of thing. So I was used to seeing that. And I also have like a little bit more of a Well, not really, because Sabrina's building vault up with crazy amounts of women right now. But at the time, she felt that I had more of a network within the women's community as far as like reaching out to competitors. Since I'm on the competition scene a lot, it was kind of like bringing those people in. I was mostly the matchmaker. Those were my two main things, matchmaker and kind of like competitor handler, figuring out, you know, the rule set and like how we were going to do the event itself. And then Sabrina handled all of the sponsors, um, you know, coming up with ideas, communicating with different brands in order to get donations and put all the logos on the T-shirts and, you know, all of those kind of things. As far as the fundraising was concerned, I definitely credit all of that to Sabrina.
0: And what was the rule set for the event?
1: Uh, We wanted to keep that simple, especially because... I didn't want to have to deal with like referees and controversy and all of that kind of stuff. So the simplest thing is just like sub or draw um, for white and blue belts it was basically just no heel hooks. So like really basic, you know, and we also wanted it to be an event where people weren't overly stressed about the competition factor. You know, like we said, we wanted to highlight the women and kind of, you know, Give them a platform, but without making it so that it's super cutthroat or anything. So without having points or overtime or like a judge's decision, it was just kind of like, you know, two people can be winners in the end. If there's no sub, it's not really as serious as some of your other tournaments you might be in.
0: And for some of the competitors, was it uh, their first time competing?
1: Oh yeah, we had multiple white belts on the card, and there was a good couple of them that had never competed before. We had white belt all the way up through, we had one brown belt match, so almost all of the colors were featured on that event
2: we're trying, we're coming, we're coming for some black belts this year. We're hoping, (laughs) um, we're hoping to get some on the card this year. Um, You know, so if anyone's listening and you would like to be a part of our event, we would love it. Um, You know, just to, to really build, I I think that's also a really important thing, right? I think it's important not only for women who train jujitsu, but also for women who don't train jujitsu, you know, to see women who have achieved that sort of pinnacle, right? In jujitsu, you know, in, in many ways, getting to that level of training at the amount of dedication and time and effort and energy to get there really pursuing that goal. You know, I think it's, it's really awesome not to take anything away from any of the other belt levels because everyone puts a considerable amount of time and effort and energy into it. But I'm just saying we see so many male black belts featured, you know, in, in all of these events, I think it would be really, really cool to, to have some female black belts featured as well.
0: Yeah, and that's why I was also, I'm, I was stoked to come to Vault, and I think one of the first times I came there, you had a female instructor, guest instructor, and and she was, you know, training. There was probably 50, 60 people in the room, and she was the lead. She was showing everybody, you know, this technique. I think we we're doing, like, reverse daily eaver or something like that. It was certainly mm-hmm. something I've never seen before. So, you know, the Vault and sub domestic violence, you know, have done a good job of just raising that kind of standard as far as women jiu you know, straight straight off the bat. So thank I want to thank you, you for that.
2: Yeah, no, it's been really great experience, you know, Um, just having women, uh, Jess Bermudez Feliciano, uh, she teaches here, um, you know, um, Adelina Alvarez teaches here sometimes. We have other um, women. We have a really great core group of women that train with us consistently. And it's been really nice too on the weekends. There have been a ton of women coming in from other gyms and so excited to see it. Laura does a ton for the women's community in jujitsu. She has these crazy open mats that have like, 70 girls, you know, from all over the place coming. And it's, I, I think that that's one of the beautiful things, like, you know, L- Laura, like gave me a lot of credit, but like, seriously, my idea was to pick names out of a hat to compete against. <laughs> at the <fair laughs> um, I, mean, you know, I mean, you <laughs> know, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I, I'm i happy to do the, the, the businessy end and, you know, they're reaching out to sponsors and stuff. But at the end of the day, like really pulling it all together, I think part of the reason, you know, Our event went like clockwork. We did like 26 matches. I think in like what was it? An hour and 15 minutes? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was super lightning fast, and it was just because of her and you know her ability to like make these matches. And they all put on a great show. They were all great matches. And I'm really excited to see sort of what happens in March because I think it's you know people are going to be really excited to see that again. Um, Laura knows women's jujitsu. She knows these competitors, and she's really really great at highlighting their skills in those matches. I, I think it's going to be awesome to see.
0: Cool. And yeah, One thing I'm seeing with you both is something I experienced myself. Like I kind of thought of this podcast and you know, kind of had some ideas, but I needed somebody else to kind of reach out to and someone else that could help me along and, and help me build it. I don't think I would have done it by myself. I don't think it truly would have worked out and it certainly would have turned out to what it is today without someone else helping. So you guys can cl- clearly see that in your dynamic.
2: I think that's a great life lesson in general, right? It's kind of like jujitsu. You can't do jujitsu by yourself, you know? So if you go into it with, you know, that sort of mindset, this ego-filled mindset, like, oh, like I'm going to be the best. I'm going to do this. It's all me, 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 right? It never ends up going as well as it would have if you, you know, work with someone else. And I think Laura and I are very similar uh, personalities. We're both both Virgos and whether you believe in that kind of stuff or not for us, it's very, very true. <laughs> uh, we are very much perfectionists and, you know, we really like things to, to go a certain way. We have a very high standard for ourselves and also for the things around us. And I think, um, you know, that really showed when we did this event. Um, it was, it was just really awesome the way that, that everything came together.
0: So you guys had 26 fights and what was the demand like for trying to get into that first event?
1: pretty crazy <laughs> yeah we we were prepared this time around to handle the influx of applications the first time around it was kind of like first come first serve because we weren't sure how else to do it so as the applications were coming in I was making the matches and I think we were originally looking for 15 and then we ended Next. up making tw- yeah we ended up making 25 within the first two days and then we shut the applications down right away because we didn't know what (laughs) else to do we got over 50 applications within the first 48 hours so yeah Yeah. pretty high demand i would say yeah
0: and it's really like the opposite of what most event what's happened in most events so you know someone tries to put on an event they try to actually my first fight in mma it was a friend of mine i was in the military he started his organization which is doing very well today it's called spartica and I think he had 15 fights for his first event, and they fell through. And by the time the week of the fight came, there was like eight fights. Mm. And he and I, I was barely even I was barely even training at the time. And he like he called me, and said, "Listen, man, please fight right now." He's <laughs> like, I'll, "He's like, you're going to fight this guy. If you lose, like I'm telling you, you're going to beat him. Like I'll give you my entire organization if you lose." Which I didn't lose, and I don't know <laughs> the organization, but. It's usually the opposite, like so. It definitely shows the importance and the demand of what you're trying to do. If you you know hoped for 16 and got 26,
1: yeah. The really impressive thing is we did have some dropouts too. Like actually, I think within the last two weeks, we probably had like five or at least five people pull out within the last two weeks leading up to the competition. But since the demand was so high, we were able to fill all those spots pretty much immediately. So we were able to maintain the same number of fights on the card. And actually, we ended up with 26 because one of the girls who was a white belt at the time going against another white belt got promoted to blue belt. So then that match kind of (laughs) split off into two matches where we had to get her a new opponent at blue belt and then, you know, her remainder opponent, another white belt.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think like it's it's funny because, you know, we weren't sure what to expect this time. So many people messaged us to ask after the event and kept saying, like, you know, please, like, if you have another event, please include us. You know, we'd love to like know about it. And um this time, what's it what we're at? Like eighty-five applications, Laura, something yeah, like that.
1: 87, something like that. And actually yeah. that's because we gave a couple extra days on to originally we were gonna have it open from the first through the seventh, but we allowed it open through the rest of the weekend so that people could kind of get those last minute applications and so
2: yeah, and, and then, it was really cool too oh sorry, go ahead
1: <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say that this week will be whenever we're matchmaking and sending out the invites,
2: yeah, and that was I was gonna say that actually piggyback off that that was actually the cool part last time once we started posting the matches and posting you know um like what was coming up yeah it's it's just been so really amazing to, to feature people, you know, um, I mean, I'm not a competitor. I don't, I don't compete often. I wouldn't consider myself to be a competitor in the jujitsu space. Um, but it's, you know, it's really neat when people start seeing these super fights, you know, th- their face on a super fight card and they get to post it for their, you know, family and friends. And, um, you know, it just created such a level of interest that when we did have pullouts, like Laura was saying, you know, for whatever reason, we had lots of other people who were really willing to step right up and and jump right in. So um, this year, I think we're going for thirty matches. Yeah, right, that's the yeah. plan. <laughs> that's the plan. It may we may have more, um, but it'll it'll just depend on on how things go. Obviously, the more amount of matches, um, you know, the more sponsorship opportunities are present and the more sponsorship opportunities equals more money for DAP Delco. So, you know, I, I feel like for us, we are really in a position now where people know about the event. We're not coming in completely green. We threw that whole thing together in like, I don't know, it was like under two months, I think. And we raised $14,000 for them and uh, for DAP and had gift bags for the girls and like staff soap donated soap and tap. Like it was just such an amazing, um, a community event. Everybody really came together. JitsBitch helped significantly to get awareness out there. And, um, you know, it just, everybody really participated to help. So it definitely wasn't just us either sort of pushing the event.
0: Yeah. And $14,000 and under, you know, in under two months, something thrown together is is pretty impressive. So um, who else was a very important part of your success with sponsors or, or people that were involved with the tournament?
1: um studio 84 was our highest donor but they are no longer a gym unfortunately um but that was super generous of them they donated like a thousand dollars so that was Mm -hmm. like over and above any of our sponsorship tiers um submission nutrition donated oatmeal uh they were really those went in the gift bags for the girls you know like sabrina said Saf soap gave soap for all the girls um, we had a lot of a couple of different companies do like little one-off things that we raffled at the end, where it wasn't like you know one for every one, but it was still like a couple T-shirts or a rash guard that kind of thing
2: spats. Um, yeah, I mean, and then also honestly, like the biggest push, which is what we plan to do again. And I think that this, this was the most helpful. So we did sponsor a competitor. So once we put up the super fights, we asked people to sponsor the fee for the competitor. Um, and it was, it was set at a set cost. And then honestly, like, So many people were so supportive of the competitors that that's actually where a large percentage of the the funding and donations came from, you know, people. Just feeling compelled to send a Venmo, you know, with money to sponsor their favorite competitor. And um, this year, I think we're going to do something similar to that, but with a little bit of a different um, twist on it, at just to kind of motivate people and incentivize them a little bit. But we're not ready to disclose that just yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be stoked to hear about that because I was actually lucky enough to be able to donate to Two Fighters as well, yep. you know, for the first event, which that was my first donation as a podcast. So I'm super proud of that. Yep. And, um, Yeah. I'm so stoked to see uh, what's next for the, for the next event. So I'll definitely be donating.
2: We appreciate that support. And we also appreciate your support today, even just giving us a platform to discuss the event and sort of highlight, you know, everything that we're doing. It's, it's, it's really awesome. And we're, grateful because the more people that know about it, you know, the more opportunities we have to, to get those sponsorships. Our goal this year, we're, we're going for a little bit of a lofty aspiration, but I think we'll get there because that's just who we are. But I'd like to get somewhere between like 25000 and 30000 to donate to DAP because I, um, I think it would be like a really amazing, you know, thing to be able to hand over that, that money to them. And um, so that's the goal, people. So everyone can keep that in the back of their mind. <laughs>
0: was I'm sure both you you know, both of you know and we actually try to, you know, um pass on to our students and the people we train with is not to be afraid to state your goals. So, you know, you got to say that loud loud first, tell at least one person, you got to state your goals. You can't be afraid to to aim high and and miss.
2: I I hear you. I'm all about it. And with that being said, right now we have rash guards that Cruise Combat was um, kind enough to make custom for us. The link is on our Instagram bio. Um, They're available in unisex and women's cut um, and all proceeds from those rash guards are going to help fund the event. So some of the things that we couldn't do last year, because we literally handed every penny, we were fully self-funded and we gave every penny to DAP Delco. Um, this year, what we're trying to do is, you know, improve the live stream. Um, so we want a company to do that. They were kind enough to give us a, a nice discount and then also have other things for the, the competitors, um, like gift bag wise and stuff like that. So the money that we raise through the sale of those rash guards is really helping to put on the event and uh, you know have it in this space.
0: Yeah, and I saw that you posted this morning about you're looking for somebody for t-shirts. If I'm not mistaken, what's uh, what are you looking for there specifically?
2: So last year, another one of our sponsorship opportunities that worked out really well was um, people were able to pay for their logo to be featured on the back of the t-shirt. We gave all the t-shirts to the competitors. Um, and then, you know, they could obviously rep their t-shirts. And then we also, um, you know, highlighted the ad. Um, it could be either a live stream. So we had a digital ad or the ad just on the back of the t-shirt. And that was a really nice revenue stream for us. It was a way to sell those sponsorships and also, you um, you know, highlight those other brands that are local, smaller brands that may not get that exposure. So it was kind of a win-win for everybody this year. Unfortunately, I I think just, you know, maybe due to the effects of everything going on in the world, the t-shirt company that we used last year said that they would be unable to, um, support us this year and help out. So that, that was the reason for that post. We are looking for someone who might be willing, um, you know, to help us get that, uh, those t-shirts made again this year.
0: And one thing I want, you kind of touched on like everything that's going on in the world right now. And one thing I like to talk about, and I've talked to every single, this is episode seven, every single episode I've done thus far. I talked to, you know, the, lead, the leaders of these organizations and talked to them about how they pivoted during COVID. They didn't just end it. They didn't say, hey, I'm not going to throw an event or I'm not going to raise money anymore. And you did the same thing. You actually had your first, first event during COVID. So I think it just goes to show the people that are, you know, you guys are, you're driven and, and it's, and the proof is there. And I think it's important to highlight instead of just shutting yourself down. You know, you, you move forward, you still figured a way to get it done and it was very successful. Thank you. Uh, so leading up to this, I watched, you know, the event that you put on. And of course I looked, you know, the, highlighting the main event, it was between Christina Pinto of Silver Fox B2J and Alexandra Whitlock of Balance. Yeah. That was your Brown Belt event. what did you guys take from that match? what did you think about that match?
1: Honestly, I love both of those two ladies. It was really exciting. I feel like they both have very different styles, you know? Um, Allie is more of like a top player, and Christina has a really uh, interesting and tricky game, kind of. She's really flexible. Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously it went to a draw, but I think it was super exciting. And actually, that same match ended up happening. There was a rematch at Emerald City Invitational, Uh, Which was under EBI rules. And again, it actually, there was no subs in regulation. It went to overtime. And I think uh, Christina ended up clinching it in overtime at that one. So, but I could watch those two compete against each other all day.
0: Yeah, it ended up. It was six minutes, so uh, you know, ended up in a draw. But like you said, it 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 was the scope was clearly there, and they they pushed the entire time. There was back takes, there was arm bars, there was leg lock attacks, stand up, everything. It was like minute to minute, there wasn't an ounce of rest. It it was it was a dope match.
1: Yeah,
2: that's how so many of the fights were. Like, I mean, the energy in the room on that day was palpable. Like Laura did, like I said, she did such a great job of really pairing people and every match. It was like, you heard the crowd be like, Oh, Oh, like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, it was nonstop. And especially like, I just feel like seeing, um, again, you know, other girls watching the, the, you know, the video, I mean, like, that's how I got started in jiu-jitsu. I went to watch Matt at a fight to win. And I walked in and there were two girls up on the stage that were similar in size to me. And I was like, huh, well, if they can do it, like I want to try, you know, and that's, I was 37 when I started jujitsu. And, you know, for me, it's like that, that was like a, a nice segue. And I feel like having events like this also, when you see these younger generations of girls are able to see matches, like, you know, Allie's and Christina, like, watching that and just being like, whoa, like they're, you know, these are two like, super dynamic and, you know, powerful, strong women, um, you know, who are really just giving it their all, you know, it kind of motivates people to, to want to do things like that, you know, it's just another avenue of representation that people might not see consistently.
0: Yeah, And I actually learned, you know, kind of just, you know, they're high level competitors. And I learned during the, the live stream that Christina at the time was in med school, and you know, was trying to become a doctor. So, like these people are not only high level on the mats, but the high level off the mats, which usually you know we see a lot in, in the jujitsu community.
1: Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts, honestly, about the commentating. Even though I wasn't like doing the play by play of exactly what was going on in the match at any given moment, I was kind of more focused on you know the competitors as people and like what they do outside of jujitsu. I really tried to kind of. Pull people that I didn't know. A lot of the competitors are people that I already knew, but I really wanted to get that extra information so that I could kind of, you know, share that with the, the crowd that was watching. And it just makes them a little more like human, I guess, instead of just being like crazy jujitsu people, you know, we have other interests too.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and it created a little bit of buy-in for me. I'd Like, I really enjoyed learning about that. Like, you know, learning what she's up to and that she's, you know, not only you know, doing high level things on the mat. She has big goals and, and executing them off the mats.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to be a certain type of person to, to train jujitsu at a high level, just in general. I think you have to be someone who is driven and motivated with goals because no one is showing up at your door, dragging you to come and get beat up every day. You know, like, a, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like you have someone standing over you saying like, you know, get there, get on the mats. Like, work really hard, push your body, push your mental. You know, jujitsu is more mental than physical, I think, most days. Because if you're not in it to win it, like in your mind, it's gonna reflect in your performance on the mats. You know? And I think like seeing so many high achieving women, just another thing, you know, all of those girls are really high achieving girls. They're all doing like big things. Everyone has something different. Some are attorneys, some are, you know, doctors, some are whatever. And it's, it's just, some are entrepreneurs, very successful entrepreneurs, you know, and seeing things like that, um, you know, gives the ideas that like, this is a a nice activity that people can do, even when you, you know, do have a busy life, you can still fit it in, because it's, we all know, great for your mental health also.
0: Yeah. And for those who do not train Jiu Jitsu, it is absolutely impossible we're speaking about the brown belt main event it is impossible to get to brown belt or blue belt for that matter without getting absolutely demolished every single day for like two years it's impossible no one gets there with just uh, no one shows up on day one and just butchers everybody it does not happen yeah so it creates uh, a sense of resiliency and you know ability to overcome in every single person that gets beyond like the first two years
2: yeah it's grit
0: absolutely big time grit so um Laura, starting with you. How did you get into jiu-jitsu and like who are your coaches, currently?
1: Oh boy. I guess mine's mildly a long story, but yeah, make, we got
0: time. Go ahead. Make go make it get it.
1: Brief-ish. Nice. Okay. So I guess kind of in my early twenties is whenever I discovered the UFC, which I never knew was a thing, unfortunately, until then. And so I got really into like watching MMA and that kind of stuff. And then eventually I wanted to try it. So I just kind of like looked up my closest, most convenient gym. And it was like a traditional Gi gym. For whatever reason, I originally thought I really wanted to be into Muay Thai. But I'm glad things ended up the way that it did. They didn't have striking there. So I went into Gi Jiu Jitsu. Um, I got my blue belt there. And then I wanted to make sure I would be like good with leg locks and stuff. They weren't really teaching that at my school. So I started cross training at 10th Planet, which... At the time, the only 10th planet that was closest to me was two hours away. So it was a two hour drive each way. And I would just like drive out there like a crazy person. And eventually I completely abandoned my Gee school and moved out to Bethlehem. And now I train at 10th planet Bethlehem and um, 10th planet Allentown, which didn't exist whenever I first started training out here. So, but that's run by John Thor Blank. Like Sabrina mentions, we go to the vault a lot, and John teaches there. Um, John's my boyfriend, so he runs the Allentown location, and then Zach Mislani and J M Holland run the 10th Lane at Bethlehem, the original location. And yeah, I kind of train both places, and part of the Finishers MMA squad. <laughs>
0: Nice, and and there's levels there's levels to commitment, just like there's levels to you know the talent that we see on the mats. And driving two hours each way to try to learn leg locks is a completely different level of dedication <laughs> that most people will never understand. So, right. you know, it's no surprise that you do well and you are successful with your jujitsu.
1: Thanks. Yeah, people definitely thought I was crazy for a while, but I mean, honestly, that was back before Bethlehem was really known for what it is now, especially within the tenth planet system. I think it's pretty well regarded as one of the top like three 10th planet schools that's out there right now as far as producing champions and that kind of stuff like John being an ADCC obviously Grace Gundrum trains with us and she's very well known in the community super high level black belt so uh yeah I mean I just think it's I feel validated now that I moved my whole life out here and kind of left the other school behind because I really believe I'm training with some of the absolute best people that you could be. And I have a really cool life out here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And as it sees them, you know, you're, you're, you're a part of that too. So you help build that and, and, uh, create what's going on out there. I try. (laughs) How about you, Sabrina? How did you get into jujitsu?
2: Um, well, I guess I kind of met Matt was competing in a fight to win and, uh, in my mind, jitsu was always Matt's thing. I was a weightlifter. I wasn't really interested in any stretch of the imagination. And I competed in figure and like, which is like a feminine version of bodybuilding. And that was like always my realm and my area. And then I went to watch him at a Flight twin. Like I said, and these two girls came up and they were so powerful and strong and similarly sized to me. And I was like, I think I want to try jiu-jitsu. So Matt was like, really? And I was like, yes, but I'm the type of person where I have to dip my toe in the water before I figure out whether or not I'm going to take the leap. So we set up a private lesson, um, at Gracie with, uh, Val Worthington, who's one of the black belts over there. Um, Matt used to train at, um, Gracie Humaità uh, on 13th and Bainbridge. And, um, So I went in and it was ski and I, you know, I tried it and I, I really enjoyed it because it allowed me to, you know, kind of use my mind, but also my athleticism and, you know, I just kind of felt like a good fit. Um, And then I started training consistently. Um, I earned my blue belt the same day Matt earned his black belt. So that was like a really special and meaningful day for the two of us. Um, And then we we're traveling and we have two kids and two businesses, you know, so it was a little bit of a challenge to consistently get to the city and we were finding it harder and harder. And we just really wanted something that was a little closer to our home and to also make an impact on our community. So, um, we opened the vault in, uh, July of 2020, July 1st. So right in the middle of the Rona. And, um, when we opened, Um, you know, we weren't quite sure how it was going to go. We bought this building, we rehabbed it, renovated it, and, um, you know, just kind of wanted to see how it went. And it has just been such a beautiful thing to watch. So we've been so embraced by the community. Um, You know, my husband teaches here, Julian Banner teaches here. We have um, John Thor Blank come in a couple times a month. Laura has taught here a couple times. We have John Callistine come down from uh, New York and teach. Um, We have Like I said, Jessica Luciano, Judas Sierra teaches our Muay Thai. um, Charlie Livingston teaches here. Like there's just all of these guys. We have the Lions brothers that train here. We have just so many different people that are active competitors in the Jiu-Jitsu community um, who've decided to come and train here. And, you know, it's just kind of taken off um in in a really amazing way in the sense that like we get to see all these people and especially the people who had never trained before and walked through the doors on the first day of July you know they were like our first 25 members were people that had never trained jiu-jitsu before which I thought was like the, the greatest thing ever because we were all green we were all new to it you know and uh some of them are now like four stripe white belts, you know, and they're they're killing it. The you know, one of our girls was one of our first members. She went out this weekend and she got gold. Ryan Collins, I see you. And like you know, we're just we're so proud to be a part of this group of people who have really come together. And you've been here, Jerry. Laura's been here. You know, it's like a no negativity is. like our whole motto. And we genuinely mean that. Like, there's no drama here. There's no nonsense. It's like, we want you to want to be here. And we want you here, you know, so it's, that's kind of how I got started. And that's sort of how it's going. (laughs) Um, So I guess my husband is my main coach. um, If you want to put it that way, uh, which is Matt. And then um, I work with Jess, uh, Feliciano a lot, because as a mom of two, two businesses, it's kind of hard to find time to get to all the classes. So I, I try to make it a point to, to work with her whenever I can too.
0: Yeah. And like back in July, when you, when you did open, that was, coinc- that was right around the same time. I live in Philadelphia now, but that was right around the same time I was rehabbing my dad's house. My dad passed that year and I was out there rehabbing. Thank you. And um, I was rehabbing his house and my friend Greg Juliana shops right down the street from where the vault is currently. And like one day I was working, I just drove by and saw like just a massive jujitsu sign. I like ripped, pulled over and I like kind of like peeked in the window. And like at that point it was just like bare bones. It was just like construction going on. So like that was like part of my daily habit was to like yeah. drive by the vault.
2: I think you met was- my dad, didn't you? Did you meet I my did. dad? Yeah. I did. Yeah. So like after like
0: the seventh time of me driving by and peeking <laughs> in the windows like a child, I finally <laughs> met your dad and like, Quin Stanley, your dad's a South Philly guy and, you know, some yeah. of the guys that I know in the fire department. So like, yeah. I talked to him for maybe like 15 minutes, Yeah. you know, and like kind of learned learned about you guys before I met you. And um, so it was just stoked to see that growth, like while I was kind of like, you know, building something of my own. And it's absolutely insane how your gyms exploded. I've never seen a gym just absolutely just take off the way yours has. And I think it is because of the way you guys, you know, the way that your gym carries itself. And it was like, I saw how purposeful it was that you had different people teaching every weekend from different schools. You were just so wide open where like a lot of schools, it's like, this is our team. This is who we train with and like no one else is allowed. Like you do drop-ins, but like to be able to kind of like open up and, and have other people you know, teach your school to not necessarily affiliated with your school is, is, kind of unique. And I think that's, you know, I think it really kind of set the tone for the no negative, no negativity attitude that's like carried at your school.
2: Thank you. I mean, I think like both, you know, I think we, we all have sort of the mindset that like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So if you're not around other people and you're not seeing what other people are doing in the community, right. And what other people are bringing to the table, um, if you want to get better, you really need to expose yourself to the styles that you might not be super familiar with because at some point, you know, you're going to run into those styles. And I think that that's kind of where that mindset comes in, you know, like, um, I don't know. It's just, we've been really, really grateful, um, for those people, even being willing to come in, like even, you know, Thor and Laura coming down like twice a month, you know, like, our members love that, you know, like it's such an awesome time when they're here. We have so much fun. Um, you know, Thor has such a unique style and uh, way of teaching. And so does Laura, like Laura's class. We had so many people who were like, can Laura come teach again? You know, like I mean, it was it was like so cool. Um, she did like the, truck to a twister i think right i'm pretty sure that's what we did that day you know and you know that's not something that like we're we're doing but so so for our students to see her do it and be like oh wow like that's really cool i want to check that out you know it just gives people opportunities to see things that they might not otherwise see
0: yeah laura you you know on top of like doing very well at the vault like when you, you know as far as attendance to your classes um what's some of your history with competing that got you there
1: Oh boy. Um I don't know. I do things sometimes. <laughs> I don't even look at myself as a good competitor, but other people seem to think of me as a competitor mostly just because I do it a lot. Um like I've been in the finishers sub only a couple times. I've done like the SOGI uh that's run by Chris Shigoli out on Long Island a couple times. Um I've done Emerald City twice this year. Uh I did ADCC trials like that kind of stuff basically. I just stay active. Whatever opportunities are out there, I'm usually doing it. Although I am about to take a little little siesta for a bit, kind of. I'm doing one last one and then I'm going to have to take a few months off because I'm currently like working full-time and I'm in massage school to get my license this year. And it's just been taking up a lot of time between work and school. I don't have a lot of training time left, unfortunately. So, Jiu Jitsu is a little bit on the back burner right now, but I'm hoping that once I'm a licensed therapist and self employed and all that good stuff, I can have a lot more time for training.
0: <laughs> right, and I actually talked to one of my athletes. So I train athletes on top of training Jiu Jitsu myself. I also, train athletes in strength conditioning and also like kind of like mental coaching type scenarios. And one of my athletes, Don Tabita, he's a high level brown belt at Balanced Jiu Jitsu and he got into the fire Academy about a year and a half ago. And he was like talking about how he wants to like, you know, still ha- have his jujitsu go through the roof while he's in the Academy. And I kind of, I kind of talked to him about how you don't have to have your jujitsu trajectory always going up. It's not always going to be like, I'm getting 1% better every day and like, <laughs> I'm always getting better. It's not always going to be that. Cause sometimes someone else has to take president. So for him, it was the fire Academy. I'm like, listen, make that your priority. It doesn't mean you can't train you can stay even where you're at. And then once it's over, you know, then we're then we're heading back on up and and you can do the same thing. And it just makes sense, you know, to to do it that way.
1: Yeah, it's been a little hard for me to accept because, you know, I see all my friends competing and I want to just be doing the same types of things. But, you know, uh, my boyfriend actually is the one that made me kind of realize it was probably time to take a break and just put all of my focus into finishing getting my license and all that kind of stuff. And then I can really get back to my progress.
0: <laughs> right. And that was not an easy pill for him to swallow. Like I saw the gears turning to his head when I said it to him and he was not like, he wasn't having it, but he realized it's like, you know, it's, it, it makes sense and, and it's going to work out and he's, and he's already back and training at a high level again. So you're really not going to miss out on anything, especially yeah. the way that, you know, the way you told us you train with, with your kind of like 10 toes down all in driving two hours attitude. <laughs> and that's, that's how he is too. Like he, he just, you know, he's going all in no matter what.
1: Yeah, and especially people like us, you know, sometimes we need an outside person to tell us, like, it's time to take a break because we won't do it ourselves.
0: Yeah, I got a little bit of that in me as well. (laughs) So with the next event, we talked a little bit about it already, but what's the date of the next event?
1: March 27th. It's a Sunday again. So I don't know. It seemed to work out last time on a Sunday. So we just kind of (laughs) picked a date.
0: All right. So during your first event, it was when COVID was out there and you did not allow spectators. I tried to get it. I tried to get in. I don't know, like six or seven times. But you guys can <laughs> completely deny me every single time, but I tried. I was going to I think I even you know offered to like sweep the floors. I would have done that just to, me, just to get me in the door. But
2: so um, so I think I think at this, this time, year? I think that we're we're more open to the idea. The only thing is, I think, um, we just sort of have to see how a couple of things pan out. Right. So I'm, you know, we're trying to be respectful of, um, what's going on still kind of, and locally. But I do think that that is definitely going to be an option. We're currently finishing the second floor at the vault. And, um, once that floor is open, we're, we're hopeful that it should be open by the beginning of March. So, there's mat space up there. And and once that is open, um, it might be a little bit easier. Like we can have the event on one floor and then have people warming up and things like that on the other floor. So it's a little less crowded because last time, because we had such a large amount of competitors, everyone was sort of sardined into like this space and we kind of had to like make it work. So I think we we just have to figure out logistically how that's going to work. The goal is definitely to have spectators. I just don't know how many spectators we're, we're going to end up with depending on what space we have available.
1: Yeah, we're not doing a crazy amount more matches compared to last time. We're only, you know, last time we had 26. This time we're shooting for 30. So as far as the competitors go, it won't be that many more people. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I guess we'll see what happens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because it's still out, you know, everything's still out there and, you know, but like we talked about earlier, you know, you're still pushing forward and and that's what matters. So, yeah, however, whatever iteration ends up being, it's going to be successful.
2: Yeah. Last year was surprisingly like, we had such a great response. Everybody like watched the live stream and, you know, people really responded well to that. Um, and like Laura was saying like this year, um, BNB media is coming in to do the live stream and just have it be a little more professional. We'll have multiple camera angles and things like that. Um, and so I feel like even if we're not able to have a crazy amount of spectators, just still having opportunity to, you know, watch it is, is really like an you know awesome thing. We just have to see how it pans out. But our goal is definitely to have some spectators in here for sure. Right.
1: At least and the this time it won't be me just running the live stream. It'll be a nice professional <laughs> live stream.
2: <laughs> it was great last time. It was, yeah, I great. it was
0: awesome. And the offer still stands. If you need someone to sweep the floors or clean the bathrooms <laughs> for me to get in, I'll do whatever. You don't need to give me an answer now, but it's there. I'll do whatever it is to get in this year. And, um, as far as like sponsors go for the new, for the next event, do you have any more on board this year that you want to speak about during the show?
2: So we haven't, we haven't really started to push sponsors yet. We were, we started off with the rash guards really to help fund some of the things that we needed to do last year. The sponsorships really didn't take off until after we started posting matches. Um, because I think that really helps kind of get people involved with the event, you know, people that they know, people that they want to support. Um, and right now, like I, we're trying to figure out the t-shirt situation and, um, you know, trying to push that because that is a large part, but either way, we will still definitely have, um, opportunities for the live stream ads. And, um, we're going to talk with, uh, BMB Media and see, you know, just about doing even some blurbs, almost like a mini commercial for you know any of the ads. So there'll be different tier levels, if if that's a possibility that people will be able to pay for. And we just want to make sure that you know we're we're putting that out there with all the the proper information once we have it available.
0: Yeah, and if someone does want to reach out and be a sponsor, how do they get a hold of? Yeah, Subout they can. Crew.
2: Most of our work has been through Instagram, so they can DM us the Instagram pages at um, Subout Domestic Violence. Um, we also have an email vaultbjjevents at gmail.com that people can email if they, um, you know, want to sponsor that way. This year, we're also doing things a little bit differently. Um, so all of the funds that are going to DAP Delco are going to be direct to DAPDelco. Delco. So last year, what we did was, you know, we had people Venmo us. And then we sent the funds over to DAP and it just became a whole thing because Venmo has rules that I didn't know about. And so does PayPal that you can only donate a certain, or you can only send a certain chunk of money like every week. (laughs) So I literally had to give our donations in chunks over like a four or five week period. And it was ridiculous. So this year we're just having people screenshot their donation and send it to us um, because that's Probably the easier way to do it. This way, all of the funds go directly to DAP, um, and we're, you know, completely out of that equation.
0: I got you. That's that's actually a really good idea because I've the way I, when I've been raising money, I've done some other, you know, um, fundraisers for different events, and I've always done it through those platforms as well. And that 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 can definitely help me in the future as far as like how to you know connect the money I'm raising to a particular organization.
2: Yeah, I asked them to give me a Venmo and they they gave me their Venmo and they said they don't really get a lot through Venmo. So I feel like last year Venmo was our highest um, sort of platform of donation. And so if we can do that again, you know, and then just have people send it directly to DAP, you know, I think that that's going to be the most powerful um, tool to use in this, this situation as well.
0: And what if... What if a competitor wants to get on the card? How do they, is, that, is it still open? I know you guys talked about it a little bit. Is it still open?
1: Nope. It has officially closed. Even our extended window has closed. So the apps are in, like I said, we got almost 90 applications. So we're just going to be making matches from that and sending out the offers later this week.
0: Right. And I think I saw you do something, you know, that was, what I thought was a good idea was I think some of the people that weren't, that applied for the first event that weren't able to get into that first event, you made them a priority for this particular one?
1: Yeah, I would say a majority are people that were not on the first event as far as what I've made so far. I still have like a couple matches to make before we send everything out.
0: Right. But is there any I other tried
1: to get new people on the card?
0: Cool, cool. And um how can listener supporters of the show, you know, besides just donating to uh, Dap Delco, is there any other way they can help support
2: what's going on? Yes, so um, there are plenty of opportunities. Like we said last year, Saf Soap donated a bunch of their beautiful soaps for all of the girls. We we really love to make um, like little gift bags for the competitors. So Submission Nutrition donated oatmeal. Um, Good Good Chocolates donated these chocolate bonbons that everybody raved about. Um, you know, and they're just anything like that. If people are interested in donating a product or a service, um, you know, or even donating something that we might even consider like raffling off, you know, Um, if someone wants to donate a private lesson and we can raffle it off to raise money or if someone, you know, any of those things help. Uh, So Jits Bitch is someone who like I really have to give a ton of credit to because last year she ran like all of these crazy raffles and um, things for Laura and I and for Sub Out and that was a huge amount of, of donations um, came in through, for, through her using her platform for this event. So that, that was really, really kind.
1: Yeah. And along with the whole uh, platform idea, even people that don't really have anything to give, like if you just want to follow about domestic violence on Instagram, share our posts, that kind of thing, you know, the more exposure the, that we get, the better. So that can all help go a long way.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. Definitely, um, if anyone's listening, if you can feel free to reach out to me as well. So I'll be an intermediary if necessary. So you know, drop me a message or a comment, and I'll definitely try to make the connection if there's any out there. Thank you. And is there anything I'm missing about the first event or the future event that you would like to put out there that we didn't discuss?
1: I don't think so.
0: Right. It's, uh, I guess I did my job Then we covered it all. <laughs> yeah. And I, um, I want to take some time, you know, before we go, you know, to talk about my entrance into jujitsu, you both talked about it and it, w- it was interesting to hear about. And, uh, for me, I know Laura, you talked about how like you used to watch UFC and that's kind of how it kind of sparked that interest. And, you know, for me, I remember we used to watch UFCs with a couple of my buddies. We used to get them, rent them from Blockbuster. So for all you kids out there who like have just Netflix and Peacock and whatever else you got, there was a place we used to go to in person and rent VHS tapes. And for some reason, when we were like eight, this guy's mom let us rent UFC fights, which is fantastic. So thank you, you know, Miss Pachocki for that. And so we used to watch them and like. You know, the first UFC was like Hois Gracie and like we used to like imitate like the Gracie train. They'd all like hold each other's shoulders and walk in a walk in a line. Like you're at like a wedding, like doing the old, you know, dance around the dance floor there. But yeah, they would do the Gracie train and we used to imitate it like in the backyard. So um that was kind of my first like glimpse at what like jujitsu was or MMA was. And I talk to people about it all the time how like I'm just so I'm happy and proud to be able to like work in the community where like I used to just watch tapes of. So like, I'm truly like kind of living my dream as far as being like a strength conditioning coach for MMA fighters and jujitsu fighters. Um, but fast forward, maybe 20 years or so. Um, when I was in the military, I just, you know, a couple of my buddies were training and I trained, walked into a jiu-jitsu school in the Virginia beach area. And I actually kind of, I actually fought within like my first, probably two months of trading, which I absolutely should not have been fighting. Like I was not, I I had good wrestling, good jujitsu, but my striking was atrocious. And it was actually kind of back in like the, the old days of MMA where this guy was hosting an event. Unlike the, the good event you guys put on your gym, he had his own event where like the guy who I fought, I beat him in the first round, hit him with a rear naked choke, and then three fights later, he fought again and knocked somebody out. It's so like that was the type of event we were having—like multiple people were fighting multiple times, and like it was like full pro rules, wow. like no amateur whatsoever. So it was like out of control, free for all, absolute free for all. So I was the first in my train, but it was, wasn't necessarily my first team. But my first team uh, was when I was living down in Florida. A good friend of mine. Um, a few friends of mine were living down in the area and I started, you know, training down there at a Gracie school at Joe Bamboo Wisman's um, Academy, Gracie, Tampa. And that was like my first team. I trained before, but that was my first team. Like every single person there was fighting. We had, you know, four or five, like, you know, fight team practices a week. And like, that's why I really try to, that's where it turned into like a community and like a team for me. Um, so definitely want to thank, uh, Joe baby Wisman for actually kind of like making it more of a professional environment and, you know, a place where like I saw with his family, just like you both have at Vault and 10th Planet. Um, so, um, but from there, I, you know, trained, you know, I came back up to Philadelphia, fought some more, trained at Thaddis Mixed Martial Arts for a long time. And now I currently train at Beacon Mixed Martial Arts in South Jersey. You know, I primarily do you know, gi, but I like to do no gi as well. That's why I like going to the vault because that's kind of it fills in the holes in my game. I definitely plan on continuing to compete. And when I do compete, my objective is like to raise money every time I compete. So which I'm sure you you noticed at your tournament where you know, the energy was really high, the fights are really strong. And I think a lot of it could have been because they were fighting for something bigger than themselves. So I feel like I can, you know, kind of grasp onto that as well. So that's what I plan to do. Um, And I'm definitely, I'm into trying to go to different schools. I've been to balance. I've been to movement arch jiu-jitsu. I've been to Jared school, PGA United. like, I like, I like kind of that open community and and be able to train everywhere. So, you know, it's definitely um, a tie on my list as far as you're learning from different people and and progressing by game that way and of course being involved with you know communities and and um fundraisers like yourself so i really appreciate appreciate the way you guys represent jujitsu and you're certainly you know um uh, very good ambassadors for the sport and also the community um and thank you both for you know coming on the show and spreading the word about your wonderful organization
2: Thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: You got it. So um, before we go, I want to thank all the supporters of the show. So make sure you subscribe, comment, and share the podcast and follow us on social media. And I want to thank you again for living the altruistic lifestyle. See you next time.